Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses and it is a much more positive outlook this week. Well, it couldn't be much grimmer than last week, but thanks to all of you that did tune in to last week's show and for those of that for those of you who helped cheered up, I'm glad. But on what Callum proved potentially to be a tricky fixture, there was a treat in store for the Aberdeen fans as Duke served up some performance, helping us to a 2-0 win. Hey, I said I wasn't finished with the Halloween puns. It's going to be a long month. It could be longer if we'd lost, so at least we've got a win to talk about. And on Duke, I suppose, the uh, the sale of Cape Verde flags is going to go through the roof in the Aberdeen area because I know the Macedonian ones did at the start of the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I saw there was one in the uh, in the red shed when yeah. I watched the goals back after after Duke scored. So I'm actually a massive fan of that. And, you know, it's a little bit of colour, a little bit of spice to the situation. Yeah, exactly. You've got to love a flair player and there's always that excitement whenever he touches the ball, whenever he runs at the defence. But Jim Goodwin said in his post-match press conference that we were owed a performance. The performance maybe not 100% there, Callum, but the result in bounce definitely was. Oh, and we also got that added bonus of a rare clean sheet as well. Lots to be positive about on this week's show then. Absolutely. I mean, I think we'll struggle to find anything, any negatives. Well, I'm sure if anyone's going to manage, then it's going to be uh, us, maybe mainly Glenn. But regardless, um, we, yeah, we were, we, maybe it wasn't the performance we would have liked, but I don't actually care at all. And I'm sure nobody else does. There was a few shaky moments, but 2-0 win, clean sheet against team finished third last season, albeit, you know, they had travelling and injury issues and whatever. Regardless, it was fantastic. And the fence was great. Yeah, there. Yeah, like you said, largely positives. You're right. I have found a couple of negatives, but I'll save them um, for a bit later um, on in the show <clears throat> because I think you've got to got to look at the whole picture. We can't just laud what was a fantastic performance. There are just a few niggling things that are still lingering there. But <clears throat> on the on the team lines, um, Hayden Coulson um, out of the game with, with illness. Um, also, congratulations on the pending birth of his child. Um, thanks to C for that that information as well. So if he's not in the squad for, for Wednesday, we know why. And uh, also good to see that he's uh, the child's going to be born up here to, to minimise the game time he's m- m- uh, missing. And then also, um, as Steve said, that he'll be born a red. So uh, that's great to hear as well. Of course, the more the merrier, in my opinion. Indeed. And I just love how invested his dad is in this season as well. That message we got at full time. Oh, it's 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 great. He seems to absolutely love it. And I'm all for it. Uh, absolutely. And Jack McKenzie coming in at left back, no real surprise. And I think it's fair to say he more than filled filled that hole with a with a really excellent performance. Absolutely. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it would be wing back or full back. But I, I was actually very, very impressed with Jack McKenzie. In his post-match interview, he said he still has work to do going forward. He wants to learn from uh, Hayden Coulson and Johnny Hayes in training, which is probably clear to see for most Aberdeen fans, but it's good to hear he's still working at it. And defensively, thought he was absolutely brilliant and caused a few problems going forward too. So um, it was a bit of a surprise, his, conclusion, uh, his inclusion when the team sheet came out, but I thought he was brilliant and probably his best performance in an Aberdeen shirt in a, well, in a very long time anyway. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll get into him in a 
uh, his performance a bit more detail later on. But Johnny Hayes was also missing from the squad. Um, Not sure if that was through injury or illness. Um, Leighton Clarkson replaced him in the squad and Conor Barron and Duke replacing both Marley Watkins and Vinny Bazawin, who we did speak about last week um, about needing dropped. I'm not sure if that celebration from his goal, which we'll come on to, was maybe aimed at some of the criticism he's received from the from the fans in, in recent weeks. But if that's how he's going to respond to criticism, then I've got a few players I'd like to criticise and hope they respond in a similar manner. Yeah, uh, fair enough. To be fair, um, can't argue with Vinny's uh, celebration, really. There was some criticism, probably deserved. He probably knows that as well. But I think it was a little bit of fun in the celebration. But he also sometimes posts his Instagram photos with photos with a with an ear emoji and so maybe yeah. a little bit of both. Um but if if that's the performance he's gonna put in once he's dropped and comes off the bench and has an influence like that, then I'm absolutely okay with it. Yeah, me too. And Callum, you know, I tweeted out of the, the RTG Twitter account. So if you do follow us at RTG underscore podcast on, on Twitter, you'll have seen the tweet I put out on Saturday night. The, the results from the weekend's game really amplified the importance going into yesterday's match against Hearts. Obviously, Hibs hammered in, in Glasgow by, by Celtic following up that uh, maybe surprise defeat at Tannadice. Um, so with them not picking up any points um, through the weekend, weekend St Mirren also missing the chance to leapfrog um, Hibs by by drawing with Derek McInnes' Kilmarnock 0-0 in Paisley. Aberdeen had the chance to capitalise on teams above them dropping points and close the gap to just one point on Hibs with a re- retrospective game in hand. But, but likewise, Hearts would have also had ambitions of sealing third outright for themselves with a game in hand but for Aberdeen on Hearts would have been a chance to go back above them in the league and you know I think Laurie mentioned it last week that for them if if they'd lost the game which obviously they, they go on to do they then you know have gaps to, to teams around them that they will be looking at at the end of the season and I think the shoe is also on that foot from an Aberdeen point of view and you know after what we saw at Tannadice Calm, there was really going to be question marks around Jim Goodwin and the squad and could they deliver when the pressure and maybe to a certain degree expectation was on to go and get a positive result. And what was your feelings on the back of seeing the results on Saturday? Was your hope and expectation raised like it was mine? Uh, I'm not sure if my hopes and expectations were raised I think it's sort of added emphasis onto how big a game it was for us and also Hearts too I suppose and obviously saw it as a great chance to go and you know get some gain some ground on the teams around us and the teams that will probably be competing with come the end of the season uh, for all those European spots but I don't think my hopes or expectations were raised at all of anything I maybe thought Oh no, it's perfect. It'd be great, you know, beat Hearts, rival, Hibs drop points, and then drop points, and then for us to go and cock it up uh, in the end on Sunday. But thankfully, not the case. Not the case, but for the first 45 minutes, um, it was certainly, I, I don't know, it was a weird half because it lacked quality, definitely in the final third, but defensively, both teams didn't really cover themselves in glory at, at times as well. But the the tempo of the game was kind of really set from the outset when Jaden Richardson flew into a tackle early doors. I'm not sure if that was on Andy Halde. You might have had a better angle oh, in this 
was it on Cochrane? You know, this is the thing because we don't actually go to games together, um, apart from the same supporters bus. But you know, helps with sitting in two different stands. We've got different views on things, but you know, some maybe thought he was lucky to escape harsher punishment. Was it was a yellow fair in your eyes? Because you'd have definitely got a better view of it from section S. Yeah, I thought it was fair. I to be fair, I thought it was maybe harsh for Don Robertson to actually was it Don Robertson? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. to get the cards out. Um, so early on, so I just thought oh, that sets the t- that's, that's it. that sets the tone of the game. I'm having a nightmare here. Um, Much like Don Robertson did, exactly. And in a game against Hearts, you never want an early booking because you know it's it, often in the case that uh, then that'll just be you know the president set throughout the rest of the game, and every challenge like that will be a yellow card. Um, even when some of them should have been red, we'll get onto mm-hmm. that a little bit later on. But I, I thought. It was certainly a strong challenge. Yellow, probably fair, but I was just a bit annoyed that so early on, the first challenge like that, straight into the book, get a yellow card out. But certainly no more than that. Definitely not a red. No. Uh, I mean, it just looked like a very heavy challenge. I think maybe the reaction with it being kind of in front of the Hearts fans and the way the Hearts players reacted as well, and Robertson running over, I just thought, oh, here we go. What a terrible start that is. So I was, I was relieved to see the, the yellow card because obviously quite a bit of distance away from Red Shed that you couldn't see how good or bad the, the tackle actually was. But, you know, a lot of our, our fans have, have called for Duke to, to start games I've kind of had my reservations that he's better maybe as an impact sub against higher defences. But again, showing why I'm not a football manager because what an impact he did have in the opening exchanges. Maybe foul in the middle of the park and one thing Don Robertson did do right was play advantage. Um, And then he was brought down. Well, I certainly thought he was brought down and was screaming for a penalty. I thought it was an absolute stonewaller. I think you did as well, but... On reflection, when I watched the highlights on YouTube this morning, because sports scene didn't show it, uh, I actually think for once I'm going to say the referee got it right because yeah, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, I was certainly in the in the same situation as you, so the the, the view from the from section S didn't change that at all. Uh, I thought it was absolutely stone wall. Having seen it back, I still think we've seen those given put it that way whether hmm. rightly or wrongly we've seen those given so on another day perhaps we do get that penalty but <laughs> it wasn't as clear and obvious as I, as I originally thought I thought how the because he missed that there's no way hmm. that's not a penalty but Duke travelling at high speed maybe goes down a little soft there's definitely some contact but I don't know if it's enough to throw someone like him down like that but um, did you say the bigger they are bigger they are the harder they fall however hmm. You say on another day they'll be given, I suppose it's a good opportunity to bring it in now, is that maybe see next week they're given because, of course, VAR is introduced to Scottish football from next week as Aberdeen make the trip to Motherwell. So more of that in Thursday's live episode where um, I'll be discussing the introduction of VAR with Gogsy um, ahead of that match. But, Callum, what's your thoughts on, on VAR coming into Scottish football middle of the season when all the teams in the Premiership have also not played the same amount of games and you've got Ian Ma- Maxwell coming out saying it's going to be horrendous for the first few months. A, a good ringing endorsement there from the Chief Executive. Nay happy, nay happy. I mean, look at VAR in England, still constantly getting things wrong and they've got full-time referees on massive wages. They've got, you think, the ideal infrastructure for it. And we're going to have absolute buffoons in charge of it in the middle of the season as you say when games 
you know, pe- teams play different amount of games. It's going to be an absolute nightmare, and I'm not looking forward to it. I think it was inevitable that it was going to come in eventually. Now, though, in the middle of a season, also when you're about to go into the break, surely you maybe use the international, the big World Cup break as a little bit more time as preparation. Mm-hmm. It's all a bit weird, and I've got no doubt that it's going to be chaos. And I'm not looking forward to being at the games and having to deal with the delay or... You know, certainly not the anxiousness that's going to come with when, you know, for an opposing team potentially as a goal, will it be disallowed? Are they going to get a penalty? Not looking forward to that whatsoever. And also in terms of us celebrating a goal, we're going to look like idiots celebrating a goal, then for it to be disallowed. And I'm not going to enjoy it whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, have you had experience of VAR at a game before? Were you at the Scotland-Israel game, the McTominay last minute winner? I was not, unfortunately. But um, even then, that looked like a faff. And that's at, you know, qualification levels. And Yeah, I mean, football. so my only experience of VAR has been with Scotland and thankfully has been largely positive. Um, obviously, through Scotland experiences, winning a couple of penalties on the back of the referee not giving them. But, you know, on that, that point about celebrating a goal was I had that with uh, Lyndon Dykes in that, that Israel game when he scored and the referee disallowed it, you know, you went crazy for about, you know, 10, 15 seconds and went, oh, going absolutely raging, thinking, well, that's never a foul. And then obviously the, the game stops, he checks it. And when it comes to the monitor, you think, oh, well, the, the game's, the decision is going to be changed, but you still don't know. And when he awards it, the celebration is heavily diluted because you're like, oh, well, that initial release and excitement is, is kind of taken away by a, a you know, sometimes up to two, three minute check. Already gone and cut short, basically at that point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, right. Even the players are like, oh, right. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just go back to the halfway line, you know, yeah, it's, and also very convenient that it's coming in a week before our trip to Ibrox as well. Um, yeah. I'm sure the conspiracy theorists out there will be uh, loving that. Yeah. Sorry. Is that a New Orleans Saints hat you got on our tinfoil hat, Glenn? Yeah, well, I can choose that one later. Um, <clears throat> back to the game um, from Sunday. We did look lively in the opening exchanges. I suppose also in terms of VAR, it would have been interesting to see if it had been in action on Sunday, whether or not we would have got a penalty in the first half. Not for that incident with Duke clashing with um, Jorge Grant, but the handball incident that the RDS seemed to go absolutely apoplectic over, um, which to me signalled there was definitely something in that. Um, But once again, Don Robertson was unmoved and and didn't award the penalty. Did you have any sight of it? I mean, I I sent you the the image of it uh, last night on WhatsApp, which does make it look like it was a pretty clear handball, but in real time, did you have any sight? Uh, I didn't have a particularly good view of it, but going by how mental the RES went, um, sort of had a good indication. I don't know, to be fair, Don Robertson possibly didn't have a great view of it either, um, which I suppose in that case, if they were to use VAR correctly, then would have been correct because it looks like an absolute clear and obvious handball. Um, They've got away with one there, but thankfully it didn't cost us. Unless, of course, come the end of the season, goal difference comes into things, in which case that'll be even more sore. Mm, true. And I'm just wondering where they're going to announce that the VAR checks are taking place. You know, you see uh, like uh, Celtic Park, Easter Road, Ibrox, they've all got their big screens. Or we're going to use the electronic advertising boards along the main stand. So those that are in the main stand, they're just absolutely clueless as to what's going on. 
John Mellis is going to be on the mic every like five, ten minutes saying VAR check in progress at this rate. I can't wait to be fair. I hope they do do that in front of the main stand. That would be brilliant. Um, just so they can't see it and when they've paid the most money to go. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And it's certainly going to give us a lot more potentially to, to talk about when we try and get everything, you know, crammed into an hour, hour and a half. So that's going to be fun to look at as well. But as well as Aberdeen looking lively in the first half, it's fair to say Hearts also had their moments and probably the best moment of the first half where um, some good work down our left-hand side resulted in Alex the ball falling to Alex Cochran. And somehow, after ghosting past Jaden Richardson, he failed to put the ball into the back of the net. I, I still, every time I see it, don't know how, how he doesn't put Hearts in front. I have absolutely no idea. I didn't see it at the time because... Oh, a little small tangent rant here. Went to get a pie, ordered ch- two chicken curry pies, one for me, one for my dad. We're given two scotch pies. What's going on there? It was the 25th minute or something like that. They can't have run out. They didn't explain anything. Got there and the scotch pies were rubbish as well. So that was fantastic. Well, side note before you go back onto that is that Ian did say they both smelled and looked amazing. So I'm sure you would have really enjoyed it, but yeah, not possibly. that you'll get a chance to know. Possibly, but I wouldn't fucking know, would I, Glenn? Um, no. <laughs> so, you know, shout out this Section S kiosk once again. I'm uh, glad you've got your fantastic. weekly pie run in this, almost like our own little feature now. I know, I know. But anyway, I was, so I was up there, so I didn't see it. And the Hearts fans actually started celebrating. Yeah. Because I think they just thought, so he's not going to score. And somehow he did absolutely cock this up. But it should have got that far. Because before the ball comes across, Jaden Richardson is actually in an okay position to defend Alex Cochran. And then mm. he just sort of switches off and Cochran drifts in behind. Richardson nowhere near him. And once again, showing Jaden Richardson's you know lack of defensive ability. But other than that, I sort of thought he actually had a decent game um, because he was <laughs> high up the park and had Ross McCrory in behind him as cover. So it wasn't, he wasn't too exposed. But how, how Cochran did not bury that, I have no idea. And it's an old cliche, but had he scored there, it would have been a totally different game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I was going to say more of, instead of defensive ability, more of Jaden Richardson's defensive awareness, because I think it's all too often that he gets, you know, defend uh, attackers, you know, ghosting in behind him. I suppose a defender would be right in this instance with Alex Cochran. But we also had a great opportunity that maybe some would have felt Duke should have scored when Majowski capitalised really well on a poor bit of play by the Hearts backline and fed him through for a one-on-one. But Craig Gordon does Craig Gordon things. And to be honest, it is a fantastic stop. Yeah, absolutely. Craig Gordon's a very pain in the arse, isn't he? Uh, It's annoying how good he is. Still can't kick a ball, but very good still. (laughs) Um, I thought at the time Duke should have maybe done better there. Mm. Um, perhaps could have maybe gone Craig Gordon's other side near post rather than across him I don't know if that would have made any difference but I haven't seen it back he didn't do that much wrong and Craig Gordon so annoying he's huge he pulls off fantastic saves like that all the time and I can't even blame Duke that much I mean it was good build up uh, from Miofsky to you know uh, nick in there win the ball after Civic's loose pass uh, and also slot through Duke uh, with a perfectly weighted ball, to be fair, who did well then to skip past the Hearts defender. Mm-hmm. But just frustrating, but thankfully it didn't matter. And he made them pay later on when he got that chance. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But Hearts, you know, continue to, to look lively 
at the other end, exposing some of our frailties. Obviously, we went with a back three, which by and large looked so well more solid than in recent weeks, but Hart still managed to, to create some opportunities. Uh, I think back to the, the opportunity Lawrence Shankland had where he fired wide at the near post. Uh, again, Jaden Richardson getting dispossessed on the right-hand side and then just kind of seemed to just stop and stare as the play continued with Boyan Miofsky trying to do the defensive duty. Um, but thankfully, Lawrence Shankland's attempt went the wrong side of the post. And then I think, I'm sure it was Shankland again who had the opportunity towards the end of the half when he goes to lob Keller Rose yeah. and Rose makes a good save. But for me, that's more question marks around uh, Rose himself because at the time, I didn't know why he was coming out for the ball. I didn't ever feel he was getting it. And if it had gone over him, and into the back of the net, I felt he left himself very exposed there. Just, you know, initial reaction at the game itself. Possibly. I mean, had it been a yard higher, yeah, it was goosed because there's no way mm. Kel Rose was going to get to that. But I mean, in the eventuality that, you know, Shanklin did try to lob him. I think Rose did quite well to sort of rush him, close the angle maybe a little bit more. He didn't mm. have too much time uh, to think about what he had to do. Uh, Lawrence Shanklin and in the end you know pulled off what was a, a fantastic save and thank God he's absolutely huge yeah I mean you know at the end of the day like you said he pulls off the save so there, there's not a problem it was just that initial heart in the mouth moment when he I seen him coming running out and thinking oh he's not getting there once again but you know potentially a, a good point you make there because it does rush Lawrence Shanklin because when he then you know, once he controls the ball and looks, he's realizes he's got a six foot tall goalkeeper standing in his way. Not he doesn't have that time to to think to maybe pick his spot and and look to attempt to to slot the ball past him instead. So yeah, I suppose it depends which way you want to to look at that incident itself. But again, hindsight, you know, it's not caused a goal, so it was just something that instinctively kind of caught my attention at, at the game. But one thing I wanted to pick up on in that from that first half, Calm was something that you kind of. Uh, were quite critical of from last week was the the kind of style of play that we had, mm. you know, in moving the ball up the pitch, um, you know, getting the ball into that wider areas where we were quite slow to kind of exploit United. How, how did you feel we did in the in the first half in terms of improving that? Because I thought we were a lot quicker in our in our possession this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were. Um, the execution maybe not quite all there, but we you know, we did have our chances. Uh, at, at times in that first half, um, I, I still think it's anywhere near the finished product, but I was impressed with the more urgency, a little bit more directness in the play rather than side to side, back and forth. Um, it, it was better. I didn't think the first half was quality in terms of football like from either yeah. side, really. Um, but I still enjoyed it, I think, because both teams were sort of equally as bad as each other at times. So it's kind of still made it for a decent spectacle, but... Uh, the quality was still lacking at times massively. Yeah, as you said, it made it weirdly entertaining, but equally frustrating um, due to the the poor quality on show at times. But I suppose given the changes to the Aberdeen side, particularly on that left-hand side with Jack McKenzie and, and Leighton Clarkson coming in, I, I thought we more than held our own because it was definitely an opportunity for um, Hearts to maybe look to exploit that, that area. But... Um, also pleasing to see um, Hearts continue to pick up injuries, especially to Andy Halliday. You know, when you've already got a defence for them that's makeshift, to say the least, mm. it probably didn't help their 
their approach um him having to go off early what a shame i'm sure but how did you feel that the Leighton Clarkson did um in that left mid position because you know i thought he did well but you know he wasn't stand it out but he definitely did his job more than adequately um given the standards he'd set at times i wasn't particularly impressed i think he certainly did a job in you know in the new system uh playing with Baron and ramadani something that's been done it was done at Tannadice. Uh, other than that certainly not before and um, given Barron's injury and then mm-hmm. Clarkson's suspension I think there's more to come I know he's a very young player uh, it's a new system new team and you know he's on loan he's got a lot to learn still but I don't think he had his finest game some of his delivery some set pieces and um, perhaps not the best either at times but in terms of for the structure for the team and how it worked out there, and it, it it was good and it gave a bit more balance. Him and Baron both being in there, uh, just allowing Ramadani to sit, who I thought had a quiet game, but probably went about his job pretty well. Yeah, and I I was supposed to be the negative one. Jeez, no, what, I, I, what did he do? That was great. God. No, I yeah, I think it was fair, uh, a fair assessment on Leighton Clarkson definitely, and I think. Having both Leighton and Connor Barron in that midfield, I think you're absolutely right. It does allow Ramadani to have a so-called quiet game, but I think he's quietly effective in that position because he can just do the mucking up in midfield or put in a tackle, break up the play, or play a spectacular through ball to set up a goal as well. And then you're utilising both Connor and Leighton in terms of the creativity options. We know, as you said, the standard that Leighton set himself, what he can deliver. And we saw it briefly at the end of last season in his kind of cameo appearances from, from Connor Barron. The benchmark really set himself that the Aberdeen fans are expecting from him week in, week out. And, you know, some people maybe didn't think Connor had his best game yesterday, but I thought he was tremendous in that midfield having to come up against uh, Robert Snodgrass in particular and listening to him on Red TV at full time um, this morning when I was listening back to the the interviews, you know, he said he backs himself, whether it's Snodgrass, McGregor, whoever he comes up against, he backs himself to win that midfield battle. And it's it's great for to see a player have that mentality at such a young age and be in our team as well. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly a very confident uh, young guy and, you know, rightly so. Um, not only is he technically very, very good. I think the aggression in that in the midfield he brings as well. Not you know the tallest by any by any stretch mm. of the imagination, but he puts himself about. I think at times, especially when Hearts were on the ball, I think by the way he had sixty one percent of possession in the first half. As mm. the dogs barking in the background. At times, Conor Barron was simply just doing shuttle runs, basically across yeah. the pitch, trying to help out. But the aggression he brings, as well as you know that little bit of creative spark and things like that, he's very well rounded and. Uh, I certainly thought, you know, maybe didn't think Clarkson had his best game, so it did okay. I thought Barron actually played very, very well, and you know, had it not been for Duke, I thought maybe he'd be in contention for my match. Yeah, I just uh, hope he signs that contract extension uh, sooner rather than later as well. That uh, if you want to pick a negative out of Connor Barron, that would be the only current negative. But what I liked as well in that that. Um, post-match interview that he does alongside Duke is the way he kind of stares lovingly at Duke during um, his speech is probably the way that all Aberdeen fans are currently staring and thinking about Duke as well but he also alludes to the fight and mentality that he was really proud of the squad showing to get that win and obviously he as well highlighted the importance to the defence on on the clean sheet as well so yes last week was 
extremely frustrating. It's not going to be forgotten about from the fans for a while, but I think, you know, certainly the sound bites coming out of the club from full time yesterday was they understood mm-hmm. that the fight, the mentality needed to be better on the back of that. And we did see, we did see that yesterday against Hearts. Absolutely. Just thank goodness Lee Sharp wasn't doing any of the, the <laughs> yeah. interviews. Um, just sort of briefly on Conor Barron before we move on. I think his performance in the game was highlighted by sort of how frustrated Robert Snodgrass got. I remember he fouled him sort of quite close in front of me on the on the side of the south stand. Um, and I think that just shows Conor Barron's quality. Of course, Robert Snodgrass, ageing, not a centre mid either, but you just saw how frustrated he, he got that this young kid was absolutely bossing him throughout the whole game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And bossing at left back was Jack McKenzie. Obviously, we spoke about him briefly as well. Has he given Jim Goodwin some food for thought in the coming weeks? You know, potentially if Hayden Coulson does have to miss Wednesday and maybe um, weekend to come, who knows? Is there an opportunity there for Jack to kind of cement that left back position with? if he can continue that standard of performance? I think so. Um, it's hard. Colson has been pretty good. I think he's better going forward than defensively. Jack McKenzie, the other way round. I, I don't know who's going to nail down that side spot. I probably expect Hayden Colson to do it. But certainly in games like that against Hearts, to know he can come in, deliver a performance like that, when they do have good attacking players, you know, direct opposition, Alan mm-hmm. Forrest, who's been pretty good this season, was very good last season for Livingston. The fact you can come in deliver a performance like that when he's not been involved in the team too much, not been not been playing that much football, it's certainly a very very good situation to be in if he can stay fit and if he can start delivering more like that and take tips from Colson and Hayes in terms of mm. attacking play, um, it certainly helps out a lot. And I think also the balance of him playing at left wing back, but naturally being more of a left back when Hayden uh, when Jaden Richardson goes, the fact he can sort of sit and provide a little bit more cover, a little bit more structure, a little bit more solidity, even though the balance in terms of attack is maybe not all there. It gives me a little bit more reassurance. Yeah, no, no, I think that that, that's a fair point all all around. But uh, on the game as well, a lot of the time we've had criticism about how poorly we've started first halves and, you know, certainly getting going in games, but we had no problem getting going in the second half because boy, did we start very much on the front foot, you know, Jane Richardson, well-renowned for his attacking prowess or certainly going forward this season. But for all the hard work he did in the opening, what felt like 10 seconds of the half, it was that final ball, which was Mm. just kind of a, a carry on from the first half that, maybe last bit of action that just let us down uh, poor pass poor selection of choice led to then hearts hoofing the ball up the other end of the park where anthony sure i think mind was probably still back in the dressing room but you know to be fair to anthony sure it was probably his only slack pass of the day and mm. um, let in humphrey and kel roos was definitely alert does very well to smother the danger and get to the ball first before getting the man to mm. ensure that Don Robertson doesn't award a penalty. But yeah, I mean, all of that happens, I think, in the first 25 seconds of the second half. I mean, talk about frantic. It was chaos and unnerving. It, it, it yeah. didn't help sort of anxiousness that uh, me and I'm sure many others were having at, at the time uh, throughout the game either because defensively, very, very shaky. Sure, actually got himself in a very good position to deal with the ball in the first place. Um, you know, it's been sort of well remarked that he's maybe not the quickest player, but I thought he 
recovered sort of very well, got in a perfect position just to put it out into the stand. And it looked like last minute he just sort of changed his mind and barely made any contact with the ball to put it back to Keller Rose. Um, which even then, even if he did make the correct contact, he had to think, as well as Humphreys, there was Shankland as well mm-hmm. uh, in the vicinity, which I don't think would have been a great idea. But thankfully, Kelros was alert to it. At the time, I thought, oh God, they're going to give us a penalty just because it would be typical. Mm. But he did get a hand on the ball, thank goodness. Um, I think perhaps had that been Joe Lewis, that might not have been the case because how many times have we seen him come out mm. and clatter somebody? Um, yeah, that, so that's I'm actually a good point. And I actually think as well, I'm sure... I was speaking to a Hearts fan last night on WhatsApp and he was very critical of Humphreys' role in that, saying that Humphreys was almost anticipating being taken down rather than being quite quite clinical and trying to just beat Rose instead. He was almost like he got scared and wanted to win a penalty. And I think Rose is quite clever in the way he kind of puts his hands towards the ball. And yeah, I mean, I definitely think he does clear the ball before he even touches the man. So yeah, again... It feels weird, but you've got to praise Don Robertson's um, judgment there to to not award a penalty. But mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get onto the criticism of him later on anyway. But Jim Goodwin quick to single out Anthony Stewart in his post match comments as well. Obviously for the the criticism he came in for after last week's defeat. I know you were quite critical of him, mm-hmm. as was many others, for him not coming out. Um, I think it was until Friday we heard from him on, on Red TV, um, looking ahead to the game, but. You know, he's, I think Jack Grimmer said, you know, he's a bit of a no-nonsense defender. When we spoke to the Wickham way, you know, they said he's not a ball-playing defender. And obviously that is something that Jim Goodwin is trying to do to this team. And you can see he's not exactly comfortable, but he wins the possession in the air. He looks comfortable dealing with that physical battle in the air. And yeah, I thought compared to what we saw last week, it was a much improved Anthony Stewart. Yeah, I think so. Anything with his upper body, he's absolutely brilliant at. The strength he shows, um, you know, his aerial prowess, fantastic. It's with the ball at his feet where mm. there is a problem, which, you know, as you say, was highlighted prior to him even kicking a ball for Aberdeen. But Jim Goodwin did sort of take some of the blame for that, saying, well, I'm asking them to play that way. Mistakes will happen. Yeah. Um, so I suppose credit Jim Goodwin in that way. I was a lot happier with Scales and McCrory both on either side of him, because I thought that means he'll be playing with the ball less. So mm-hmm. that's ideal, because um, they're obviously both clearly a lot better the ball at his feet. Um, he has no nonsense in, in terms of his defensive abilities. It's just there's plenty of nonsense when he's ball playing. But <laughs> other than that moment, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And even later on in the game, he went on a little mazy run and showed that he, he is capable of actually being competent with the ball at his feet. Um, <laughs> and I thought he dealt with Shankland and equally Humphreys at times as well very, very well, basically, throughout the game. So I do give a lot of credit for Anthony Stewart for that. These mistakes will happen. Just thank God we weren't punished. And Kelleros, fantastic goalkeeper, just, just prevent a penalty and I'd probably a goal. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I've seen someone credit Jim Goodwin for getting his tactics spot on. Obviously, Jim Goodwin back on the touchline with his appeal pending. So he'll be on the touchline for the rest of the month. Um, making a difference, it seems, having him on the touchline. But do you credit Jim Goodwin for getting it tactically spot on? Um, obviously, that change defensively you highlighted there with McCrory and Scales playing either side of the Stewart. Um, Goodwin himself saying, you know, that probably helps him because both those two have good pace to recover if there is a, an issue. But 
throughout the game as well, how did you feel Jim Goodwin got on tactically? I don't know. I thought he did get his tactics pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, especially with having to do that reshuffle with the team down the left-hand side as well. Duke caused Hearts no end of problems. And then even the changes as well that he did bring on continue to affect uh, not only injury hit, but tiring Hearts Hearts team. So, yeah, fair play to Jim Goodwin. For the criticism, the whole team took last last week. There seems to have been lessons learned. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he gets, got spot on, sort of matched up with Hearts, um, nullified some of their threats. I think in particular Forrest down the right-hand side with McKenzie opposing him. Didn't do too much uh, in the game. I thought Ramadani was able to deal with Barry Mackay very well. He had a very quiet game. Yeah. Um, and and McCrory and Scales, both the balance they have with being able to play football out from the back um, and then the cover they can provide for, well, main, mainly Jaden Richardson on the right-hand side and also support they give to Anthony Stewart. I thought they did they did get it spot on. And in his post-match interview um, with Radio Scotland, I think Jim Goodwin said that Duke and me obviously playing together is something they're looking to do more. So now with Barron fit, Clarkson back again and McCrory obviously fit, I wonder if that sort of three centre-backs with those three in the midfield might be something we see a little bit more. And well, if it's going to produce results ball. like that, then I'm yeah. definitely not not opposed to it. But, you know, as the second half kind of wore on, I did feel that we were going to be sitting here recording a nil-nil because the the lack of quality in the final third was was missing. But it wasn't for a want of trying, as both um, Boya Miowski and Lawrence Shankland had chances that flirted with the bottom corner. But um, for both, they went just the wrong side of the post. Uh, Boyan's very unlucky when he threw himself at it and, and Shankland as well with a, with a deft touch both just not failing to find the back of the net but the game does change when Aberdeen managed to get in front Jack McKenzie you know I didn't notice this at the time I only really noticed the quality of the ball um, that the Ramadani plays but the video that we quoted on our Twitter page last night and obviously subsequent comments about Jack McKenzie, that commitment, that desire to win the ball in midfield. Sometimes I've kind of questioned the the 50-50 nature of Jack McKenzie because I know obviously the impact his ankle injury maybe had on him and that was maybe in the back of his mind, but he doesn't hold back going into that challenge. And he really, you know, sets up that goal by winning the ball back and Ramadani just looks, sees Duke making the run and threads the needle through the eye and Duke, you know, maybe not affected by that earlier miss on Craig Gordon because that finish is excellent. You, we've we've spoken about how hard it is to beat Craig Gordon, but the, the video that the club put out this morning on Twitter, the, the sense of anticipation at the through ball, the, oh, the silence... And then there's the sheer ecstasy as the ball hits the back of the net. I mean, the Merkland was just an absolute bedlam. And I'm sure the rush to the fence was equally uh, um, as good as well. Oh, it was great. I uh, really enjoyed that. Oh, I hope somebody clips that up. Oh, no, I've just done it. So they'll clip that up as well. Yeah. Nightmare. Rookie error. But uh, in terms of Jack McKenzie, fantastic um, desire to get in there, win that ball, win that 50 50 against Robert Snodgrass, who probably should do better, but. At the same time, McKenzie still go in there, win the ball against a seasoned pro, 35 years of age, clearly still in pretty good physical condition as well, and um, mm. wins that ball. Ramadani, that ball has to be absolutely perfect. Too soft, 
It gets cut out easily by the Hearts defence. They probably go on a counter-attack. Too heavy, straight out for a goal kick. No issue for them. It's perfect. It's weighted perfectly. Duke does fantastically as well as that chance he had in the first half. He also had another chance. Uh, he struck with his left foot that Craig Gordon saved with relative ease um, yeah. when he got down. Didn't matter to Duke. He finally got it. He run them ragged all day long. They couldn't deal with his power. At times, once again, basically squatting, holding up the ball. Nobody can get around him at all. And absolutely delighted because he deserved that off that performance. And um, although both teams had chances, Miofsky probably should have scored. Shankar could have scored. Don't think you could argue that it wasn't deserved. It was deserved. One of them. We deserved it. Yes. We deserved the goal. Duke deserved the goal, more importantly. And I just love how passionate he is every time he scores, running into the crowd. I don't actually think he got booked for celebrating with the, the, the crowd as well. Um, and it was in our group chat today. Could you imagine if he scores at Ibrox in a couple of weeks, just trying to get into the away end? Um, I mean, that would just be unbelievable on the next level. But yeah, the, the strength, um, that's, a, that's a good point you make there because it was something that we mentioned yesterday. If you think Scotland fans love John McGinn's rear end, Aberdeen fans are going to fall in love with Duke's rear end because, I mean, just the way he holds off players coming towards him is is incredible. He's got a good, I think someone replied to me on Twitter last night saying his low centre of gravity mm. is exceptional in the way he holds the ball up and manages to drive forward. And yeah, so from John McGinn's bum to Duke's bum, what a time to be alive. I know, but he's just so fun to watch as well as all that. It's not just his, uh, his physicality, like the strength, the pace once he gets going as well, but the trickery, the technique he's got, clearly he's raw, but he's got all the attributes for me to be a perfect striker in this league. And hopefully, you know, if he keeps up his fitness and things like that, uh, we could be in for a very, very good time with Duke. And I forgot to mention the fence there. Oh, it was beautiful. beautiful. The first sort of time chance we had uh, this season to sort of really get it up the away end. Uh, mm. And it was fantastic. Even better because there was four Hearts fans in there that I knew they are from Aberdeen and it was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. They took it in good spirits, to be fair. But, oh boy, it was good. It's great to be back. It is. It is. It really is. And the thing is, as well, once that goal went in as well, I don't really remember Hearts doing much in the game. I mean, do you remember them having a serious threat on our goal? Uh, no, not at all. I remember all I remember around those goals is them singing cheap shagging bastards and us <laughs> replying with it once we'd scored. That's all I remember. And um, I was maybe caught up in the bedlam a little bit, uh, thoroughly enjoyed <clears> it, but yeah, no, nothing of note. No, neither can I. And I think as well, once we got that goal as well, our changes, as, as we mentioned as well, but earlier, Jim Goodwin's tactical approach to the game really helped continue to exploit a tired defence. Vinny coming on and having a real good impact, continuing that drive and determination at Hearts' defence, given the Duke was obviously beginning to, to suffer with cramp. But whether it be on one leg or two, he continues to run rings around that Hearts' defence and I mean, just the the that second goal is probably more memorable for me. That's I don't know if it's going to be your memorable moment of the match, but I think it'll be mine because I think two minutes before he was sitting on his backside in the hearts half, saying that I'm done, I'm needing mm -hmm. off. Gets his, gets himself back to the halfway line. The ball goes out wide, and I just got the sense that when he picked up the ball, he was like. 
I, I'm just going nowhere with this. I cannot be arsed running. Then he realizes there's nobody in space. So he just goes, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just go for a run. And then I think Boyamiovsky does do well to distract some Hearts defenders, pulling them one way. And Vinny's in acres of space. Great ball from Duke. And again, once again, good composure and finishing uh, mm-hmm. from Aberdeen in front of goal. And yeah, once it goes 2-0 there, jubilation once again. Absolutely. But even prior to that, I think credit definitely goes to Jim Goodwin for making that change, uh, for bringing on Vinny. I think that's a very positive change in a game like that, where he clearly thought, you know, hearts are there for the taking, starting to tire. And if you're hearts and you see, after you've had not a great game defensively, and then you see someone with the potential explosiveness, the pace uh, and the ability of Vinny coming off the bench, you're not going to be happy. And um, oh, that the Duke picking up that ball after sitting down, looking <laughs> absolutely knackered. Absolutely brilliant. Because he realised, as you say, he can go for a run. But, I mean, full credit to Lewis Nielsen, Nielsen for his part in that goal because so unbelievably soft defending. Yeah. He had a chance when he, Duke first goes by him, unbelievable half-arse attempt. Then a sort of a chance to follow him just didn't. And Duke had all the time in the world to pick out that pass. Robert Snodgrass standing square on, while Tony Civic sort of stood and watched as well. Just leaving this massive gap for Vinny in behind. And credit to him for the finish as well as the celebration, of course, too. Because Craig Gordon is still a fantastic keeper. Still had a lot to do at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and that sort of wrapped it up for us. And I think had it not been for that, we might have had a, a little bit of a nervy ending. But mm. um, yeah, calls rap- rapturous celebrations and another one fully enjoyed. Yeah, I think had that not gone in, it would have definitely caused a nervy ending, especially with the kind of horrific looking injury to to Peter Haring with the, the head knock and then collapsing as he kind of walked off um, with it, was it seven or eight minutes of injury time that we got? I think at 1-0 that would have definitely been a nail-biting finish, but but not to be the case. But your memorable moment from the match? Um, it's actually not going to be the goal either of the goals it's going to be Andy Halliday going down injured right in front of us in in the south stand which was quite enjoyable but also the fact it seemed like I've seen the replays and it still looks like Jaden Richardson goes nowhere near him yeah I genuinely didn't think it was a foul at the time or can see what Jaden Richardson did if it was just the way he um, goes down the Hearts fan I was speaking to last night said he's done his Achilles so he can focus on his podcasting career um, rather than his football career yeah. for the next week. Well, I think it was helped because my pal next to me did start singing something about having a shite podcast, which could have been applicable <laughs> to me, however. But um, no, it was just the fact it was Andy Halliday and he always has a horrid time coming to tawdry. Um, you know, we don't like seeing anyone getting injured, though. But I'm not going to be disappointed at seeing Andy Halliday get injured. And I it. suppose... I said it and I stand by it. Um, but I suppose we are also lucky that we're not speaking about Connor Barron picking up a serious injury because, of course, for the praise that we have put on Don Robertson for some of the decision-making, I'm still baffled how um, Jorge Grant did not receive a red card for what... I mean, again, it was probably just the excitement hysteria that I was getting caught up in. Felt like a two-footed lunge on his knee from the red shed. Um, I don't think it was as serious as that, but unbelievable that he only finds a yellow card worthy of that challenge. But also, I think it was, uh, I saw on Twitter, it was um, at Fitball Bag that, that picked it up. And I, I noticed that at the time, but didn't realise till the still that he tweets is, 
that Liam scales the effort that he puts in to be the oh, first yeah. man there to defend Connor in that situation when you've got a couple of other players just a few yards away. I mean, credit to Liam Scales, but yeah, horrible challenge that I think is baffling that didn't see red. Absolutely. Should have been a red. Um, I also think, though, however, that is also telling of the game Connor Barron had compared to the Hearts midfield, where mm. he's a young kid. He's just absolutely bossed it. They're down 2-0 at that point. Um, and he just goes storming in against, you know, what, 21, 22-year-old and takes him out. Absolutely a red card, but Take it as a compliment, Connor, because clearly they were frustrated with your performance and their own. So there you go. Absolutely. Now, as I said, this was going to be a largely positive episode. It is a largely positive episode, I said. But there is something niggling at me from the game yesterday that I feel I need to get off my chest. So if you want to skip the next couple of minutes, feel free. If you want to listen to me rant, then stay tuned. Now, it relates to Boyan Miofsky because... For all the goals he has been scoring, I think it's fair to say he's been off the pace the last few games. Ooh, is that tinfoil hat back on? I hear you say, Callum. But I don't know. At times yesterday, I thought he was largely anonymous. You know, I you know highlighted the the kind of role he had in that second goal, taking the defenders away from from Vinny. But I just don't know what he was offering yesterday, and. I don't know, just is he unsubstitutable? I'm just going to make up words now as well. Would Christian Ramirez have benefited a run out, you know, at the point where we're already winning 1-0, you know, Boyan's not doing anything effective. And I'm just thinking as well, looking ahead to Wednesday's game, would you rest Boyan, give Christian Ramirez a start? It's an interesting one. I think Ramirez could have definitely had a run out perhaps at 2-0. Um, anyway, if 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 he wants to keep Boyan on until the game's sort of sealed and wrapped up, I don't know. Um, it's a tough one because I think a lot of the time the balls he was receiving, he had to be physically strong and that's not his game. Mm. But it's still somewhat of a criticism because I think in this league, you do have to bulk up a little bit from, you know, when he's come from Europe, where it's probably a lot more based on the technical sides of the game. It's very physical here. And look at Duke, how he handles it. Compared to Boyan, just getting nudged off the ball, going up for headers. I don't think he won one header. Um, but on the flip side, that being too negative, I suppose when he does score the goals that he does and in abundance, although having gone a little bit cold, it's hard to argue with it. And I suppose that's where the benefit of having a player like Duke compared to then Boyan, where his movement and things like that are so, you know, so important in terms of the goals he gets. Um, but I do agree that perhaps Ramirez could have benefited from a, a little 10-minute spell. I can't see him, um, Miofsky, dropping out of the team on Wednesday. I don't know if he would, maybe would benefit it, uh, from it. You could be right because he's you know played an awful lot of football since getting here. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a proper preseason, I suppose, to start with either. And um, given the problems they had, you know, his, his work visa or whatever yeah. it was, um, so I wouldn't be against Ramirez benefit from a run out, perhaps with Duke. But then at the same time, when Duke's, um, you know, cramping up come the 80th minute or whatever it was. I don't know if, what the likelihood of that happening is. I just, I, ca- I can't see Miofsky being dropped for the game at all. Hopefully we can get nice and comfortable though and then make the change. That would be more ideal. Yeah, and I suppose we're just going to come on to the, that game on Wednesday night in a, in a second. But the, the point kind of really came about was because 
discussion I was having last night was last season, we went through the whole season with one striker um, up front, regardless of their form. I think that was obviously, you know, down to the way, the fact that we didn't really have any other choice up front. Obviously, we've got Duke as an option this season. He's kind of been more deployed as a, a, as a winger, but you've also got a proven goal scorer on the bench. Yes, his tantrums, the saga behind him is maybe affecting um, the decision to, to play him. But I just think if there is option to to rotate this, the squad, keep players fresh, we, we should be looking at it. But on Wednesday's game then, Callum, you know, a bit of feel-good factor back um, after, of course, the winner on Sunday. Hamden potentially on the horizon, um, will be on the horizon, of course, with a win on Wednesday. Might encourage a few more along that was maybe in two minds um, before the weekend. But would you make much or any changes to the starting eleven for the game on Wednesday night? Or is it a case of we go with that that strongest possible starting eleven? Um, if we are going to make changes, certainly wouldn't make much. Um, given that performance that we just delivered, um, Park absolutely no schmucks either, um, flying well in the championship. It's not a game to be taken lightly. There's big things at stake here. You know, chance to get to Hamden, uh, and then once you're there, who knows what happens. I wouldn't go rotating for the sake of rotating. I mean, obviously, McKenzie went off. Hopefully, it's just sort of tired legs uh, at that point. Um, if he doesn't play, and if Colson or Hayes isn't back, then maybe you'd see Kennedy come on left wing back, as he sort of did mm. once McKenzie went off. Um, other than that, you're maybe you're maybe talking about Vinny coming back in for one of the centre midfielders if we're going to be a bit more positive. And then the strikers, it's going to be probably be at least one of the two that started, and um, probably both. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be against Ramirez coming in for one of them, certainly. Yeah, and I suppose for me is I, I kind of agree it, it's best in these games is to go with the strongest, you know, the Wraith game probably still haunts a few, but you go with that strongest starting eleven. Uh, and as you said, you know, hopefully we become in a position that we can then rest players towards the back end of the game. Um, if if we are in a, a luxurious position to do so. But unfortunately, with the way that the end of the game went on Sunday, I'm just worried or concerned that there may be changes required. I, I was sure that Mackenzie did go off with some form of knock or cramp. So I'm glad you cleared that one up for me. Clarkson also, uh, he looked dead on his feet when he was taking his seat on the bench as well. Duke obviously um, cramping up towards the end. Will that be kind of fine enough for him to to regain his starting place on Wednesday. I do hope that he does um he is fit enough to to play on Wednesday because I think we've seen that impact that he has, that that raw speed, that just general rawness that is not yet that rounded figure and what potential is we could still unleash. Um, but obviously with Hayes question marks around his involvement Hayden Coulson question marks around his involvement as well. Is there going to be then, as you say, opportunities for the likes of Matty Kennedy, Vinny Bissowin, Marley Watkins also got a run out as well. So maybe mm. back in the frame as well as a potential to come in, obviously has started um, in recent weeks as well. Maybe something that, that Jim Goodwin's con considering. But is there maybe fringe players wanting to knock at the door? I'm thinking the likes of Shaden Morris, Christian Ramirez falls into that category as well. We also saw um, Alfie Bavage uh, on the bench as well. Of course, he's been in fine goal-scoring form for the 
the the young team this season as well. I'm not advocating that he starts, but I think also should recognise that um, his contribution to the young team has has led to him being involved in the first team. So that's great to see as potential other options for the future. Absolutely, um, you know, can't imagine he'll play too much this no. season. Uh, I do expect him to make his debut probably at some point throughout the season, but I just think getting him involved, giving him a little taste for it right now when he's still. You know, it's a key area for his development, not only physically, but technically and things like that right now. And I think it is important to get him sort of some experience, at least being involved in this sort of uh, match day squad uh, uh, on Saturdays or Sundays, as it turns out. And mm. it'd be interesting to see if, if things are comfortable, which I don't expect them to be really on Wednesday. Uh, if, if we can, you know, give a little run out towards the end of the game. But in terms of wholesale changes, not a fan of it. Keep what's working. Keep them together. We go again after Sunday because fantastic performance and um, just about all round. I, I don't see any need in changing it ahead of such a, an important game. Yeah, well, it is an important game. Hamden is on the horizon, but Partick pose a test to us. And to preview the game against Thistle, I've been joined by social media stars, I'll call them, Manpre and Kieran Ashton. So, social media star, but also big Partick Thistle fan, Kieran Ashton is here. Manpreet was supposed to, but he's running a bit late, so he might join us a bit later. We're not sure yet. But Kieran, welcome to Red Tinted Glasses. Pleasure to have you on the show. Yes, thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to discuss the Wednesday's game. Yeah, we've got lots to discuss as Partick Thistle make the trip north. Before we get into the game itself, how has the season been going so far? We're recording this on Monday evening, so at time of recording, you're currently top of the table, although Cali yeah. do play relegation fodder Hamilton um, tomorrow night. But you must be happy so far as a Thistle fan seeing yourself sitting top. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've, we've played well. Uh, so I think we've uh, done really well so far. Um, we've, we've won six games, drawn two and lost two. Um, and as you said, we're top of the league uh, on goal difference with Inverness. That'll probably change tomorrow night. They'll probably beat um, Hamilton, um, who we just bet at the weekend there on Saturday. Um, but yeah, um, I think we're I think we're doing all right. Um, it's it's been a season to look forward to. Um, we kind of there's been kind of off the pitch matters with the with the board we won't kind of get into detail <laughs> with that. Um, but um, on the pitch matters, it's certainly been it's certainly been uh, really good. It must be good when there is that distraction off the field that things on the field at least are going right. Was there a sense of expectation from Thistle fans this season that promotion was on the cards, or is that just an expectation that comes uh, season in season out until you get back up to the big time? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think last season was kind of a. Um, obviously, I think we uh, we aimed last season to get to the the, the playoffs uh, to, to to at least make it there, and obviously we did. We unfortunately felt the the first hurdle um, um, against Inverness. We we lost in both both legs, um, and I think with the signings that we made so far last season, I think we we thought it'd be something. Uh, uh, we just think that the something special um, would happen this season, mm-hmm. um, and. And then obviously we went away to Dundee first game of the season and we, we bet them. But that that's uh, the title favourites according yeah, to you a know, good coup journalists. for me on the yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for that. Not um, at all. <laughs> but yeah, um and that, that was a good three points. You went away to the, the supposed league leaders and we bet them. So um 
I think as soon as that kind of happened in our performance season, the Premier Cup as well, eh, the Premier Sports Cup, I should say, sorry. Um, I be, we bet Kelly, albeit on penalties, but, mm-hmm. you know, Premiership outfit. Yeah. Um, they, they came up for the Championship last season, of course. Um, and ever since then, really, we, we just thought it'd be um, something special. We could, we could build on something special this season. Yeah, well, like you said, it's maybe something that can continue to build something special. Mm-hmm. Something special, I'm sure, for many Thistle fans. You yourself, as you said, pre-recording, that you've never seen Thistle play at Hamden is the opportunity, of course, for Thistle to get to Hamden. Of course, Aberdeen hoping to do the same come Wednesday at full time. Is this seen for yourself as a welcome distraction from league or something that you can use towards the league campaign later on yeah. if, if things go well from a Thistle point of view? Yeah, definitely. I think it is. I, can add, um, I, I say that yes and no. I think obviously the, the league is probably the main priority. We do want to win the league. We do want to, you know, at least gain promotion back to the top flight. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, as well as that, we're one, we're one, one away for Hamden. You know what I mean? We're one game away for Hamden. Um, that's as big an incentive of any club, especially a club like Thistle, can ask for to get to Hamden. Um, the last time we were at Hamden was, I think it was 2001, 2002. Um, mm-hmm. We unfortunately lost to Rangers that day. Um, so, um, you know, it'll be good to see Thistle back in Hamden, um, you know, covering it in red and yellow, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of it's good and bad, you know what I mean? Um, it's good for momentum in the league as well, you know what I mean? You win, you, you, we go up to Aberdeen and, you know, at least make a good account of ourselves and you know mm-hmm. failing that um, maybe more than that we you know win we, we, we get through to the next stage that'll do wonders for the league you know what I mean so yeah and and in terms of support obviously this is an away game and mm-hmm. you sold out the initial allocation of 300 tickets mm-hmm. something I'm sure some of our listeners wish Aberdeen would do from time to time is um, I believe I'm correct in saying that free buses have been organised by um, Park Thistle um, so that supporters clubs are being subsidised to arrange free travel. So I think you're reckoning it'd be up to around five, 600 Thistle fans will be making the journey up north. So, you know, that'll, I know obviously subsidised travel is, is great to see and maybe will have a little bit of an impact on that as well. But, you know, putting to shame some of the teams um, that will bring up supports to Aberdeen on a Saturday during the Premiership season as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this isn't something that's, you know, out of the ordinary for Thistle. We've done it. Uh, we played you in the, I think it was the quarterfinals in 2017. Mm-hmm. Went up to Aberdeen on a Sunday and again, the club done the same for that. They uh, provided uh, free, free buses. Um, and we've done it for quite a few league games as well. I remember we've done it in the top flight for the top six. Um, during the, I think it was during the, the relegation battle. And obviously, we got relegated and we won't get, get into that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we they put on free buses for the top six uh, split games um, and I, think, I don't know if they've done it for the playoff games uh, that saw us getting relegated I'm not entirely sure um, and then they've done it in the championship as well when it when it, when it mattered most so it, it shows that the club are quite are, are quite good with that um, so yeah I think that's kind of um, made Thistle fans want to go to the games it's certainly you know gave me the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it um, but yeah it's looking like a really good crowd I'm saying about but I was saying initially about 500 to 600. It's probably looking maybe about 700, maybe, maybe even more than that. Because um, obviously tickets are getting sold on the day as well. On the, on the night, you can buy the tickets there. And I think a few of us fans are doing that as well. I've seen quite a few saying that they are on like, social media and blogs and forums and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think it will be a good, you know, a good away trip. I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be a, a noisy away support as well. Yes, as really. always, as always. Yeah, well, <laughs> well tanked up on the way off the road, of course. But, you know, Thistle have been much better at home, I think it's fair to say, from what I've seen in terms of your, your league form. Currently unbeaten at home. Again, busting my coupon thanks to throwing away that <laughs> two-goal lead against Cove Rangers. Um, but away from home has been slightly, maybe more problematic. Obviously, you alluded to that win on the opening day against Dundee, mm-hmm. um, which maybe took many by surprise. But three wins, two draws, scoring nine, but, but conceding seven. Have Thistle found it a bit difficult playing away from home or does Ian McCall look to to play or set up Thistle differently when you go on the road? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I think we I think McCall tries to um, you know just just play the play play the way we normally do. Um, away to Queen's Park, that was the I think that was the second away game of the season. Um, fair, fair play to Queen's Park; they deserved the they deserved the three points. They played us off the park. Mm-hmm. Um, I blame the plastic like, pitch, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, we could. I it was it was really hot that day, so I blame the weather as well. But <laughs> the excuses are coming out now. Yeah, I'm, I'm about a month late, but <laughs> um, about a couple of months late. But um, no, um, I felt I, you know that's a kind of a plausible thing, me. But um, and obviously we lost to Inverness, but um, we were down to you know down to ten men. I feel if um, if it was eleven v eleven, it would have been a, a, a tighter game. It would have been a more even game, but. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's true. But um, I would have I would have definitely took a took a home a home draw in the league in the league cup. Um, but I mean, away that, that you've got to you know take what a hand gives you. You know what I mean? So I suppose when I when I was looking at that on on Sunday night ahead of recording me today was I was like when I seen that you were unbeaten at home, I thought, oh, thank God. We're not away from home that yeah. you know, potential banana skin, but I'm also thankful it's not away from home because we'd have probably ended up on TV um, yeah. and some of these ridiculous kickoff. I'm times. actually I'm actually surprised it's not on television actually because um, I think there's there's three games that are on. Yeah, so we're the only yeah. game not on yeah. telly. So I, was, I was very surprised. I was very surprised about that, but I suppose like that's another incentive for um, fans, fans to go, to go yeah. fans to go as well because they're not they're not on the telly so. Absolutely, yeah. and and I suppose you you won at the weekend away from home, mm-hmm. as you said. There, you beat Hamilton two one. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel going into this game on Wednesday with uh, knowing that Aberdeen have kind of regained a little bit of their mojo, um, beating Hearts with that improved second half um, performance, especially on the way they performed at Tanadice? Does that give you a bit more fear uh, and trepidation, or are you glad they've got that win out of their system before facing yourselves? Yeah, I think um, it's pretty much that. Off to be honest, I think I'd be more worried if they lost, um, because then they would look at the the the, the Fissel game on Wednesday night, and it would have been well. This is basically our cup final. You know what I mean? We need to win, or Jim Goodwin would be in an immense. You know, I mean, a pressure. I don't know if people would be calling for his head after. Um, you know, I, I, you know, if he did lose, you know what I mean. And I'm mm-hmm. hopefully thinking here. You know what I mean? Thinking hopefully. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think you know, I'm, I was kind of like, I was like a few people were telling me they're saying, oh, so they've kind of lost or like kind of annoyed it. But you know, I think looking at it that way, it's a lot better. You know what I mean? Um, all the pressures on you. You know what I mean? We've got yeah. nothing to lose. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I think as long as we got to Aberdeen. Make a good account of ourselves. Um, don't get completely embarrassed, you know. Mm. Um, I think you know. I think it'll be a, a good night, and I'll, I'll certainly, I'll certainly take you up there and just, you know, 
taking the game to you, you know what I mean? I think that's what you can I think that's like kind of what we have to do. Well, interesting you say that because that was going to be my next point with you saying that all the pressure is on Aberdeen. And mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say, you, you know, you spoke about looking at the replies to uh, mm-hmm. the cup draw itself when it was made on yeah. Twitter and seeing all the Aberdeen fans very confident. And, you know, you know, I said to you uh, pre-recording as well that I am in a confident mood ahead of yeah. Wednesday night as well. There probably is that expectation going into the game that the Aberdeen are expected to win. Does that play into Partick's hands? And do you expect then this will to take the game to Aberdeen or maybe to to sit in and frustrate Aberdeen in, in the opening exchanges and maybe look to to get the crowd you know, you know, we speak about this on an Aberdeen show. We'll probably be speaking about it in a couple of weeks when we go to Ibrox looking to to frustrate Rangers. Is that something you think that Thistle might look to do instead, frustrate Aberdeen and get the crowd going against Aberdeen in, in a way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think it's kind of a mix of both. To be honest, hope we don't. I hope we don't just completely sit like put 10, 10, 10 men behind the ball and park the bus I hope we don't but I think we've got to be a bit conservative with how we defend because mm-hmm. um, we can't I, I don't think we can go proper full throttle but I think we do need to kind of uh, take the game to you as well uh, hopefully it's a complacent Aberdeen side and not a confident you know Aberdeen side because if it's a complacent Aberdeen side I think oh, we'll just you know it's Partick Thistle we'll get through you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, you know that's happened to us we've faced lesser teams you know um, and we've been put out by or at least given a good, you know, you know, we've been very, very lucky to win games like that. Yeah. We've played lower league sides, um, but you know, I, I would, I think it's just like Aberdeen. I don't think they can be complacent, but you know, it's Fissel we're talking about here. So <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I know. And I suppose um, that was something that we spoke about in the the first part of the show tonight. That um, just before you joined me was that do Aberdeen, you know, rest in inverted commas I suppose if you want some players we were speaking about Boyan Miofsky is this a game to kind of rest him given his poor form Duke went off um, with a bit of cramp so did Jack McKenzie so I'm really interested to see kind of what Jim Goodwin goes with obviously the the Wraith game lives in the memory of kind of haunting yeah. us and we've had experiences especially at home we seem to kind of struggle you know Stenhouse Muir took us to a mm-hmm. replay in the Scottish Cup you know back in even 2014 when we went on to win the, the League Cup uh, Alawa um, took us all the way to penalties at home as well so sometimes home ties don't and an Athletic as well took you to Next yeah, time of course. Yeah, you're absolutely year. right. Um, last round as well. Mm-hmm. Um, fully deserved to take us to, to extra time as well. I'll, I'll put yeah. that in there as well. But so interesting to see h- how this goes. And if there is, uh, you know, as you rightly say, any complacency towards this tie, because there might be complacency in the stands from fans. But you're absolutely yeah. right. Jim Goodwin and the players cannot be complacent because I'm sure Thistle have the quality um, mm. where needed to pounce. And one of those players that could produce the quality is Brian Graham, um, as he seems to be rolling back the years this <laughs> season, banging in goals and getting assists for Thistle. Five goals, four assists, I think it is, according to yeah. Transfer Market for me. Yeah, I think it's seven goals, six assists in all competitions as well. Yeah, um, but, transfer market yeah. doesn't like to be a bit dodgy on some of the stuff to forget <laughs> some of the competitions yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah, but um, definitely, um, I think um, like Brian Graham's like good, but he, he misses a fair amount of sitters, and he has this like mm. he has this uh, in the league so far. He's missed quite a like quite a few. Um, but I think I one hundred percent he's one of our, like he's one of our star men. But he needs to he, he needs to uh, 
deserve this. I, I, I forgot. I forgot the word there. Um, and I suppose but, uh, though, has he been getting the service? Because you know you're a big fan of Scott Tiffany, and yeah. you know he obviously got the the goal at the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. And you've got Stephen Lawless on, on the mm-hmm. other wing. I suppose not only do Thistle need to rely on Brian Graham not fluffing his lines mm-hmm. on Wednesday as well, but they will also need to rely on the wingers. Um, to provide decent service and create those yeah. opportunities for for Brian on on Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so I've got Scott Tiffany's uh, stats up here. So he's got like three goals and one assist in all competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and on his day, he's, he's incredible. Um, like he can like the the way he beats like the the, the way like he, he's just hyper focused on beating his man, like beating his mm-hmm. man at the um like beating his full back and just. Tearing the defence a new one, shall we say? But yeah, um, he's a, yeah. a le- he's a left sided winger as well for Thistle, isn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah, and Aye. I mean, if any Thistle fan has watched some of Aberdeen's defending this season, especially the Alex Cochrane chance from the weekend as well, yeah. we'll maybe be thinking Scott Tiffany has a good chance up against Jaden Richardson on Wednesday night as well. So maybe that gives you guys some confidence. Yeah, definitely. Um, I but. Um, his goal at the weekend I don't know if you've seen it um, yeah well, I saw your tweet of yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah, good was, finish yeah very good finish um, it was well worked as well um, but uh, he's just like um, I think he's been kind of off it but I think he's been like carrying it up for a bit because there's been a, mm-hmm. like, a few times that he's had to like kind of come off and he was, he's been lumping about but um, again on on his day like he's he's like superb but I feel we've got quality like around the park as well so we've got Cole McKinnon who's on loan from Rangers as well mm-hmm. um, who I think is superb but I think I think the boy can go to the very top and that, that's not me being biased like he's generally <laughs> he's he's good he's chipped in with a few assists I've not got the exact stats but he's chipped in with a few assists and I think he's got mm-hmm. a couple of goals as well to his name yeah. Um, and another player as well I don't know if you're, you're probably familiar with him because I think you were scouting him around about the same time as Harry Mill yeah well Where's he's actually back? he's actually in the notes as well so yeah. I was keen to get your thoughts on how he's been getting on because yeah, I saw him you know back a good four or five years ago when he was making his way through the Highland League at Cove mm-hmm. Rangers and you know at Obviously, that's where you guys got him from, and I, mm-hmm. I what you know, with the greatest of respect to Thistle, was surprised to see him go to the same league as obviously Cove were going into. Yeah. I did think he would go higher, but yeah, how's mm-hmm. how's Harry been getting on for you? Yeah, guys? he's been he's been superb, but he's not the finished article. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's still getting just a full time uh, football on Saturday. He was fantastic. Yeah, um, I feel like he's just. I think he's I think he's a complete package. You know I mean, the way he can beat a man, he's he's, he's strong on the ball, and um, I, I can see him. And that's another player as well. He's 24, 25, so he's not he's not relatively young, but he's still you know not not to say it in his prime, but you know <laughs> he's you know he's still he's still he's still got years and years ahead of him. Um, I I, I definitely it was a, a fantastic steal. He's up there for you know signing the season. I think Stephen Wallace is up there as well. Um, but we've recruited well even Adam Muirhead who's kind of rolling back the years he mm-hmm. uh, played for us like 10 years ago now yeah. 9, 10 years ago now um, and he's been exceptional at the back Kevin Holt we've got, I think we've got quality you know all over the park I think we're well-rounded all over the park and the, the team gels well we've got quality coming off the bench as well Anton Dowd so I don't know if you're familiar with him well I'm not but you know he's yeah. Got four goals, I think it was. Yeah, four goals yeah, off yeah. the bench, and he's on. I think he's only played that. What I think it's like thirty. He's on the staff that thirteen, thirteen percent. I'm not entirely sure. Don't mm. quote me on that. But <laughs> yeah. like something like he's got, he's got very good stats for only like for like coming off 
the bench, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so I suppose, again, it, you know, something if Brian Graham's not working or Aberdeen's defence is yeah. struggling, you've got options there for definitely um, coming off the bench. Because I guess, you know, where where do Thistle look to hurt Aberdeen most? Would it be in that fullback areas? Because that's where Aberdeen have been a bit suspect this season, but also set pieces as well as being a bit of our Achilles heel. Do you yeah. think that's something that Ian McCall will be working on um, ahead of the game on Wednesday? I think you're. I think yeah, Aberdeen are suffering the same as us. We we've been awful at set pieces, you know what I mean. But but that's where most of our goals have been conceded. Again, I don't know how many, but we've we've conceded silly goals, you know. Um, so the I think the Inverness the Inverness game that was televised live, and even the Dundee opening game, we can two of the goals we conceded were from set plays. Um, the Inverness game again, uh, we could have had a clean sheet. We you know we battered them, you know at, at Far Hill. Um, another title contender as well, um, mm-hmm. and they like I think it was like towards the end they got that con that consolation goal from a free from a corner that was that was avoidable. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, and again the uh, the game that we played Cove, we we dropped uh, we dropped three points there. Um, yeah. Andy Con- Andy Considine of all people scored. No, Mark Reynolds. Constantine. Oh, Mark. Oh, it's Mark Reynolds. That's what I forgot. I thought it yeah. was an old Aberdeen player. I don't know yeah. why I had Constantine in my head, but it is an old yeah. Aberdeen player. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was Mark Reynolds. Um, yeah. yeah, he he scored two, and I was like, how how of all people is he is he yeah. scored? But it's it's set pieces. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be in the, the kind of fullback area as well as the set pieces. Because watching your your Dundee, the, your game against Dundee United, you were you were very poor to say the least. <laughs> yeah, to um, say the least, indeed. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think I catch your highlights on Sunday. I probably should have. Um, I've seen bits and bobs here and there on mm-hmm. to what I've seen on Twitter and that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think you were the, the, all credit here. You got the three points, but I don't think you were you were the best. You know what I mean on Sunday? Um, I think it was just the difference really on Sunday yeah. seemed to be who could. I don't, I don't think Hartford, yeah, I don't think Hartford that good either. To be honest, they didn't look good at all. Yeah. Um, but. I suppose then, you know, obviously there's there's areas where Thistle can look to hurt Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. On the same hand, obviously Aberdeen have got the, certainly the firepower that, that can mm-hmm. hurt Thistle. What would be your concern as a Thistle fan going into the game on Wednesday? I know you've said you don't want Thistle to be embarrassed, but is there players mm-hmm. in that Aberdeen squad that, that you're worried about facing um, come Wednesday? I say that um, is it, is it Duck, Duck or Duke or something? Duke, yeah. yeah. Duke, yeah, I think he's a real good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'd probably say him. He's he's kind of the the main one. Um, to be honest, but I definitely I'll probably say Duke. Um, yeah, and I I think you know as we said before coming into this this preview was whether or not that cramp that that forced him off. Yeah, um, yeah. On Sunday means that he um maybe has to start on the bench. I hope that. Right. I mean, his performance on Sunday definitely merits a start on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But interesting to see how Jim Goodwin manages that. Obviously, we've got Boyan Miowski, who's been in fine goal-scoring form at Pataudry this season, yeah. a bit off the boil recently. Mm-hmm. But if we don't want to start him, we've also got Christian Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many people have seen the quality that Leighton Clarkson can provide from from set pieces as well, the, yeah. the dead ball specialist. And, you know, Matty Kennedy as well, he's not been getting minutes again, another player that we can rely on if we want to change things up, Marley Watkins as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pace in amongst that Aberdeen midfield that we can maybe look to to exploit Thistle potentially. Um, 
I just I've done it normally. Watkins was still kicking a ball. I remember him like <laughs> yeah. about eight years ago, seven eight yeah. years ago for Inverness. There's a throwback for you. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I just hope that you know we've been a bit slow starters um, at times this season. That if we can really put ourselves out there on the the front foot, get a bit of pace and intensity about the game, and yeah. you know cause Thistle some some problems. You know, it's the the age old cliche: get an early goal to to calm yeah. the nerves and. I think yeah. as well from you'll probably be thinking the same. If you can keep it tight at the back for the the first ten minutes, then yeah. build into the game. Got him really going through all the yeah, I, yeah. I think I think um, what you're saying about getting an early goal and settling nerves for us, it's it's probably the opposite. To be honest, I think it's mm. like try and like, you know just keep them contained and or hopefully try and maybe catch them on the counter as well. Um, but. I did, yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of like it's like for you, it's like getting early goal. To be honest, I would, I would, I would take an early goal for us. Yeah, <laughs> obviously yeah. you would. Um, yeah. But um, I think you know it's kind of like for Aberdeen, uh, for Aberdeen, if you're if you're going to say like 30, 35 minutes without a goal, you kind of start to like panic a bit. You know what I mean, and start to worry. But I don't know. Um, I think I think if we can see the early, I think that's when we'll just dash will collapse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, but I don't know. Well. Well, I think we'll, we'll wait and see on, on Wednesday night we'll see what team we'll put out as well because McCall came out and this is a bit worrying for us he's come out and said that the, the league's kind of more important mm-hmm. he's come out and basically placed importance in the league rather than the, the league cup and hopefully we'd, hopefully like that's hopefully a wee bit of mind games maybe I don't I'm not, I'm not entirely sure but um, he's come out and he's said that and to be honest he is right the league is important but we're one game away from Hamden we can't not surely we've got to play our, our first String squad. We played Falkirk in the cup, and uh, it's a Challenge Cup. I'm not entirely sure what it's called now, to be honest. But uh, it was uh, in the, cha- uh, the Challenge Cup, and we completely changed our squad, like completely mm. stripped it, um, and played a second string squad, and it was it was really bad, like really really poor. I hope we don't do that in Aberdeen. To, uh, up at Aberdeen, if we do that, then for, for a long night. If you do that, you'll be glad. At least you didn't need to pay to get up to Aberdeen. Yes, yes. I just had to pay the ticket and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what this will do. And I think you're right, McCall. I always remember in the days of, you know, time when he was Dungeon United manager from kind of my early days of supporting Aberdeen that he used to love a bit of mind games and try and wind up the Aberdeen support as well. So it'd be good to get one up on him. And I'm sure there is a bit of mind games in there ahead of ahead of the game. Um, on on Wednesday night, but Kieran, really good to to get you on the show tonight, um, to to preview the game. I hope you have a a good trip up to Aberdeen. Uh, I won't say I hope you have a good uh, time up to Audrey because I hope it's a long <laughs> night for you. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and join me tonight. I thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No, uh, absolute pleasure. And where can uh, folk, of course, follow you on social media for those of you that are also on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so my Twitter handle is uh, KieranAshton underscore one. Um, yeah. Follow me for shite patter, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> Shite power, all things Thistle, all uh, things Scotland as well. Yeah, Kieran, bad really, football takes. <laughs> yeah, uh, really enjoyed um, chatting to you tonight um, and hope that all of you that have tuned in to this episode have enjoyed hearing back our thoughts on the weekend's win over Heart of Midlothian, the preview of our cup game as the Dons look to take one step to Hamden and We will be back live on Thursday evening reviewing the cup game and looking ahead to the weekend's trip to Motherwell as well. So thank you very much for tuning in. Until next time, see you then.